Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I'm your running host, Dean Thompson. Here again is the guy who started all of this run for God stuff way back in 2010, Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. <laughs> Good to be back after the interruption last week, right? It is, yeah. And I, I told you on the way down here, you know, we I haven't been in the J103 studios in weeks now. It feels like months, but uh, we were planning to go back today and something came up, so we're in our, yeah. our local studio, but... Uh, but yeah, it's good to be back. Did you go back and listen to the one that we took out of the archives last week? I did. It it uh, sounded different, didn't it? It did. Yeah. I think we've uh, I think we just talk more now. Uh, maybe that's we, all. We just, it is. We've learned to run our mouth a little bit more. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was more, it was full, fun to listen to it. Full of more hot air now. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. 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 Have you ever had one of those experiences where you had to rely on God? Like maybe He put you there to learn, just to learn how to rely on Him. Uh, well, we're going to share a story called "Don't Limit What God Can Do," and it's all about that. And then we're going <laughs> to we're going to talk about speed limits. You know, I was in Utah last week, uh, driving through the countryside, and um, I started thinking about speed limits. Hmm. And so, right in the middle of while I was driving, I put a note on my phone to just to write this story. You know, I wonder what gets you to thinking sometimes. It's while well, I was in the middle of driving through Utah this time. Hmm. So, that's so yeah, that's cool. coming up. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about this week's sponsor. We've got a couple sponsors. And, and by the way, if you want to sponsor Run For God, if you're listening to this and you have a business and you want to come on board as a Run For God sponsor, we would love to have you. Actually, Lane, my son, is the one kind of heading up the whole sponsorship uh, section of what we do. You can email him at runlanehollis, that's R-U-N-L-A-N-E-H-O-L-L-I-S, at gmail.com. And he'll get you all the information. We picked up another one this week, which is great. Uh, but this week's sponsor is Hank's Carpet and Flooring. I've known Hank Pitts for a long time, good friend of mine. But Hank's Carpet and Flooring is your one stop for all your flooring needs. We are in the carpet capital of the world That's here. That's right. Uh, Hank's Stock has a huge selection of name brand flooring, carpet, luxury vinyl plank, waterproof flooring, and the exclusive Lola Pate area rug collection. They've been voted North Georgia's best of the best for eight straight years and the People's Choice winner for the past two. Great flooring, great prices. Why shop anywhere else? Visit Hank's Carpet and Flooring's giant showroom or hankscarpet.com for red hot deals. So thanks to all the guys down at, and, and ladies down at Hank's Carpet for, uh, for being one of our sponsors. Yeah, and we all need floor covering. We, we do. all got to walk on something. That's right. So it's important. We had a crazy good Facebook post yeah. to share this time. And actually, I'm going to share two because this, uh, this is about a child and it's the two parents. Yeah. And so I'm going to share the post that each one of them had here. David Hayes first said, yesterday I had the best Father's Day ever. My family and I were, in the, or were in, on the way home from visiting family. So we decided to listen to, week, to the Week 10 video. To be honest, I almost turned the video off because it was on the gospel and I'm a pastor and I thought I didn't need to listen to it. However, when we got home, my son Levi came to me and said that the video inspired him to give his life to Christ. 
He said he had knowledge about God but didn't know him. So he prayed to receive Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. With Mitchell and, oh, with yeah, con, uh, confessions and rejoicing in heaven. And then from the mother, uh, it says, confession, David Hayes and I rarely listen to the Sunday videos. We love them, but they're so long. Last night on the way home from visiting family, I decided to listen to 30 minutes of the replay in the van. We didn't have our headphones, so I played it through the van speakers. Since we know a lot about sharing Christ, I almost changed it to an older one, but we can always use fresh motivation and inspiration to witness, so we listened until we got home. After, the, after a family devotional prayer time, our eight-year-old wanted to talk to David. He said, run for God inspired him, and he wanted to accept Jesus as Savior. He just returned from a kid's camp and had been thinking about it. Uh, The part in Run for God that talked about not just believing or knowing about God, but accepting him reminded him of the kid's camp teaching that the devil believes all the facts about Jesus, but definitely did not accept him. So There is rejoicing in heaven and in our home because Levi prayed to receive Christ last night. God used lots of things to prepare his heart, but Run for God helped show Levi that God was calling him now. Thanks, Dean Thompson, Mitchell Hollis, Shannon Gay Coker, and all who shared last night. Praise God for his grace and mercy. Man, that just gives me cold chills. It does. You know, so many times I'm just like David. You know, so many times I think, well, I don't need to hear that. I'm I'm a child of God. But that's where we get complacent, yeah. you know, and we, we have to understand that there's so many people, even in our in- sphere of influence, that don't know Jesus Christ. And we have to constantly be getting those reminders so that we can constantly be reflecting Jesus Christ. And it, man, I mean, this just, this is just awesome to hear. And I love it. Yeah, and one of the things that hit me in this story is the fact that he had just heard he had just heard this this basically the same message and it it took another time for him sure. to hear it to remind him of those things and then add a couple, maybe a couple of more a little bit different spin on on things but oftentimes we think the people at that kids camp may think well they didn't reach him mm-hmm. but had they not done what they did then, sure. then what we did may not have made a difference. And so um, they planted the seed and we watered it. And yeah, I say we, we and they we didn't really do anything. I mean, we we're just being obedient to what we feel God's calling us to do. And and he takes it from there. Yeah. I mean, God's doing all the work here. We can't take any of the credit, but it's it's so awesome to watch God working through the things that he's allowing us to be part of. Yeah. I guess that's the best way to put it. it you is. know, we had two come in yesterday. Yeah. Um, and, man, those Godwinks, if you're not a part of the Godwinks text, um, you may not even know about it, but we have a text that goes out. There's no advertising. There's really nothing to the text other than when we get confirmation and we have a, we have a, a website built that, people can go and hear the gospel it's runforgod.com forward slash peace with god and when somebody accepts christ on that website we get a we get an email notification and a text goes out that says it simply says run for god praise and and we tell the state we don't want to give any details or let anybody know exactly where it is or especially who it is 
But it just simply says, run for God, praise in for West instance, Virginia. West morning. Virginia this morning. One came in overnight. And that's all it says. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing how much of a pick-me-up oh, yeah. those texts are. And they for are. two to go out, one one this morning from overnight and then one yesterday from uh, North Carolina, it's just incredible. So if you're not part of this, if, if you're just hearing about this for the first time, all you have to do is text RFG praise, all one word, lowercase, to the phone number 313131. And you won't get advertisements. Nobody gets your phone number. It's safe. It's secure. And all you're going to get is each time somebody makes a decision for Christ through the Run for God system, you're going to get a text. And it's just going to simply tell you where they're at. And so you can stop right there and say a prayer for them. And, um, man, they're just... It'll, it's the best thing, one of the best things we've ever done. And one of actually one of our board members came up with the idea because we used to send a text out to our staff and board members. And one of our board members said, you need to, you need to make this available to everybody. Yeah. And we did. And it's been, it's been incredible. It'll change the trajectory of your day. For so sure. again, that's RFG praise to three, one, three, one, three, one. Yeah. Send that text. You'll get a confirmation back that you're in the system, and you'll start. Now, sometimes we may go two or three weeks and not get any, and we've had as many as five in one day. Yeah. So, and and some overnight, like yeah. this one today, it came in overnight. I think it came in like at two in the morning, and those are the ones that really get me because you wonder what was going on in that person's life in West Virginia. They're on our time zone, so 2 o'clock was really 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. What was going on in their life where they found themselves on our website, on our gospel page at 2 o'clock in the morning? There was a lot going on at that moment in time, and it's just incredible that we got to play a small part in that. It is. I'll never forget going through this Bible study sometime, and I'm sure there are many out there who have been through this same Bible study, but it's by a guy named William Fay. Um, and he, he has this thing and it's called sharing Jesus without fear. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a formulaic way of sharing Jesus, but it's, it's really matter of fact and it's really straightforward and it's really good. <coughs> well, I wanted to read a couple of excerpts from sharing Jesus without fear because it, it's so good because this guy, William Fay was somebody who was a, a lot different than, mm-hmm. than your, he wasn't a Christian for a long time. He says, my resume spelled power. I was the president and CEO of a multi-million dollar international corporation. I had ties with the mob, and I owned one of the larger houses of prostitution in the United States. I was involved in racketeering, bookmaking, and gambling. I had a gold Rolex, chauffeured limo, money, my fourth wife, and trophies from my many racquetball championships. I felt I had everything in the world said spelled success, and I mocked anyone who dared share his faith in God with me. And then a little later he says, Through the years, many people came into my life to share their faith, but I would not receive it. I sent these people away discouraged because I either insulted them, antagonized them, or persecuted them. And if they walked away from me believing they had failed, They believed a lie, for I never forgot the name, the face, the person, or the words of anyone who ever told me about Jesus. Wow. And that kind of goes back to that that whole idea that we think we fail sometimes when we share 
Christ and we're not failing. Right. In this case, I mean, people got mocked, right. literally mocked for sharing Jesus with William Fay. And eventually he came to this, came to a saving knowledge of Christ. But even more than that, he's, he's millions of people have gone through this Bible study. Yeah, you know, my my perception of this kind of changed years ago. You know, when we first started Run for God, and, and it's still this the case today, but I don't really, I shouldn't say pay attention. It doesn't bother me, but early on, you know, there's there's people on the Run for God Facebook group. They're, they're, they're followers of Run for God, but they're there simply to lash out. You know, yeah. I, I remember early on, I don't, I don't know if Facebook has changed the algorithms or some stuff, but early on we would post something and we would get all kinds of vile hate. You know, when we do the, the God Loves You campaigns now, we get this stuff because we target non-Christians. Yeah. But some of the comments that we used to get were just so hateful and downright nasty and vulgar, and it really bothered me. I mean, I really struggled with it. And Mark Yoho, who actually helped us write chapter 9 and 10, that we just talked about the gospel uh, and the the challenges, he said, Mitchell, you got to understand, he said, the people that lash out like that are the biggest fish. He said, number one, they're lashing out because they're under conviction. He said, people that lash out and really come after you like that, if, if they just didn't believe what you said... They wouldn't say anything. But the fact that they're lashing out and coming after you with such vitriol says that they're under conviction. Mm-hmm. But if they're that vocal in opposition to what you're saying, how much more vocal would they be if they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And it, I mean, this this Mark a, William Fay is a, is a prime example of that. So It's a story of Paul. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it, it almost motivates me now mm-hmm. to spark that reaction. Now, obviously, with prayerfully and with truth, but if, you know, Jesus said in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. And I almost wear it as a badge of honor now. And I know that kind of sounds twisted, Yeah, but if if... I just hold on to what Mark said. I hold on to the stories of, of William that you see here um, because I know that, there again, it's it's one of those seeds. He never forgot any of those people. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's just a, if you can change your thinking to thinking like that, it, it completely changes your outlook when yeah. you run across those people because we need to be running across that. If, if, if we're not, ruffling some feathers in the process of sharing Christ, chances are we're not doing it right because the word we're of, not sharing with the people who need to hear it. The word of God is abrasive. It mm-hmm. it is offensive to the world. And if it's not coming across that way, then chances are we may be not being bold enough. And yeah. so yeah, I mean it's that's a great excerpt from that book. I I'll have to pull that out and read that. Let's get to the trivia question from this week. The trivia question this week was, in keeping with our Olympic theme of the past several weeks, there are only two men who have ever won four gold medals in the same Olympic Games uh, for track and field. Coincidentally, they were the same four events 
both times. Who were these two men, and what were the events they won? You, uh, you, I knew one. You knew one, but I you didn't, didn't know the other? I didn't know the other one. Oh, wow. Okay. I guessed one, but I didn't guess the other one. But you know both names. I know both names. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I know more about Carl Lewis than, yeah, than Jesse, Jesse Owens. Owens. But, um, yeah, I was... I didn't know Jesse Owens. Yeah, Carl Lewis and Jesse Owens both won the 100 meters, the 200 meters, the long jump, and anchored the 4x100-meter relay, which, of course, is four gold medals. And um, I remember reading this story about how Carl Lewis met um, uh, uh, Owens when he was just 12 years old. And Owens looked at him because Carl Lewis, when Carl Lewis was young, he was a really small kid and very small for his size. And Jesse looked at him and said, you must be a spunky kid to come out here and compete with these big kids. Well, little did he know he was talking to the guy that was going to be challenged to try to do the same thing he did when he was in the Olympics. It's a pretty, pretty cool story. Of course, Owens was in the 1936 Olympics. By the time he met him, he was, he was much, much older. Um, And... At that time, the 1936 Olympics were in Berlin. Jesse Owens, of course, was a black man. And the Olympics were in Germany, where at the height of Hitler's junk, I'll call it. Um, And so he he kind of completely debunked this. Hitler was so mad about Jesse Owens. I mean, Jesse Owens just did the best thing he could do to prove that Hitler was a moron was to to show him, look, we're all people, right? Right. And so uh, it was. It was awesome, but that's not even the greatest thing that that Jesse Owens ever did. It's certainly the most notable thing he ever did. But maybe the greatest thing that Jesse Owens ever did was on May twenty fifth of nineteen thirty five. He did what they call the greatest forty five minutes in sports. He was at the Big Ten Championship track meet. He was competing for Ohio State University, and he set. Four world records in 45 minutes. Wow. Think about that. Today, when we don't have two hours between events, we're like, oh, I'll never do well in that second event because, you know, I'll be worn out from the first one. Four world records that he either equaled or broke in 45 minutes. And those were the 100 yards, the 220 yards, the 220-yard hurdles, and the long jump all in 45 minutes just incredible that's insane and then when you go back to lewis when lewis was in the 1984 olympics it was it was amazing to watch him run because none of his events were close he won every one of those events by forever he he actually at the time it was the largest margin of victory ever for the 100 meters when he won it until usain bolt had -hmm. a little bit larger um still to this day it's the second largest and, and and he just if you go back and you watch that hundred meter race he starts off bad, you see he's behind the first ten meters he's like in almost last place, and then the next thing you see is is him just running by everybody and then running away from everybody, um, in the four by one hundred meters he just he gets the baton and he's ahead just barely ahead of everybody, by the time they get to the line he's like thirty meters ahead of the next guy just incredible to watch carl lewis run back then um so two guys uh that did the exact same thing when lewis was in the olympics um 
there was a lot of pressure on him because because there was this possibility of him duplicating what Owens had done, and so there was a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on him. So, um, it, the 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 four by one, of course, was one of those things where the, he had done all three individual events. He won all three individual events, and then it's like now, not only did he feel the pressure to win that fourth gold medal, but he's got three teammates too. They. Don't drop the baton. That's all it takes in the four by mm-hmm. one. You just drop the baton. You have one bad handoff and you're done. You're done. Yeah. Well, they set a world record in that four by one. That's crazy. So it was awesome. Yeah. And, and if you ever watch, if you ever go back and watch watch videos, if you want to see what perfect running form looks like, yeah. go watch Carl Lewis run. Carl hmm. Lewis looks like the picture of perfect running form. Um, fantastic to watch run. So hmm. check that out. As a mom, I want to make sure we choose a cereal that's not entirely derived from sugar. Their car seats have to be nationally CPS certified, and their first car has to have every possible safety feature known to man. I just want to do my best to make sure that they're safe. One thing I don't have to worry about is the content they hear on J-Radio. Not only do they love the music, but I know it's only going to be a positive message that I would approve of. Now, if I could just figure out how to get my youngest from sticking everything up his nose. Sign up at jradio.com and download the new J Radio app in your app store. All right, we are back. And don't forget that we have a Run for God channel on J Radio. You really, really need to check that out. So if you haven't checked out J Radio yet, then go check them out because you'll love my playlist. Now, I don't know if you'll like Mitchell's playlist or not, but you'll love my playlist. You'll love my playlist. (laughs) Mine has Southern Gospel. I know I've said that on here before. So if you haven't listened to my playlist, it's got a lot of variety. So go go listen to it so you can bump me up in the standings above Dean. I think he's paying people to go listen to his, so he's above mine. Um, But we all know what's going on here. Totally worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so uh, we've got a big announcement. Yeah. Disney has announced that, in fact, they are having a live race in January. Um, So for all of you who are doing the Couch to Marathon Challenge and graduating with us in January at Disney, we have some registration dates. Now, I'm used to doing this because my son's lane's triathlons are set up like this. Um, But you need to be sitting at your computer with your credit card ready if you're planning to race Disney because this will fill up fast. I predict it will fill in less than 30 minutes. So don't don't stress. You just need to plan ahead. Uh, for club run Disney people, which I don't even know what that is, but evidently there's a, a club, uh, your registration is at 10 a.m. on July the 20th. For general in-person runners, which is the majority of us, that's when I'll be the, I'll be doing the general in-person racing. Registration is at 10 a.m. on July the 27th. Or if you plan to do the virtual option, that registration opens at 10 a.m. on July the 30th. So if it's if it's like, you know, Ironman is usually like this. Uh, Lane's Elite races are usually like this. You just need to be sitting there at 10 a.m hitting the refresh button and usually the the button to register doesn't even pop up until that time. Yeah. And you need to be ready, you need to hit the register button, get all your information in, but make sure you have your credit card there 
you have everything ready to go. Um, you know, if you're working, maybe ask your your boss if you can take a few minutes at 10 o'clock to, to find a computer and do this. Uh, but you just need to be prepared to do it quickly. If If there's a couple of you in one family, like if it's a husband and wife, you need to be at your own computers. Um, because I do predict that this will sell out very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, so don't, don't be caught, you know, at the end of the day and saying, Oh, I forgot to register for Disney because chances are it's going to be, it's going to be sold out by then. Yeah. So we'll be sending out emails, reminders. We'll send an email out that morning. Uh, we'll be keeping everybody reminded. Um, and we'll keep talking about it on here. Uh, but yeah, July the 27th for in-person racing is the date at 10 a.m. So put it on your calendar, circle it, set reminders, all the good stuff. Whatever you There's going to be no excuse for you not to get signed up. You just got to be prepared. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, I've been through a lot of injuries. You know, some of those are serious, some not so serious. Uh, and you never know how serious an injury is. We were just talking about an injury with with you. Right. It could be serious. It could not be not serious. Most of the time, they're not serious. Right. Sometimes they they turn out to be serious. You've been through that too. Yeah, <laughs> fortunately. Yeah, uh, but you have to make decisions based on your gut on whether or not to run. And sometimes you get it right, and sometimes we get it wrong. I've sure. done I've done a little bit of both. I finished a ten miler one time, and I couldn't hardly run at all. Um, I mean, I couldn't hardly walk because I had a stress fracture in my femur, believe it or not. Most people don't get those. Um, but with this story this week is from Anna Dwinger from Orange, California, and she went a little bit different route. She relied on God's direction. Her story is entitled, Don't Limit What God Can Do. While training for my first marathon, I felt some pain in my right knee and decided to go see my doctor. I wanted to be sure my knee was okay to run the next day. He said I probably had a small stress fracture. He asked me, why are you running a marathon? To prove a point? I said, I'm raising money for melanoma cancer research in memory of my brother and his wife. They had both passed away from melanoma 16 months apart. The doctor got choked up and said, if I were you, I'd still run it. I started to cry. I thought he was going to tell me not to run it. He said I should take a week off from running and then start my training again and see how it goes. So I did what he told me, and after a week, I got things started again with a 13-and-a-half-mile run. During this run, the chorus uh, to a worship song ran through my mind over and over. It was a wonderful time with God. Afterwards, my knee was feeling okay, so I decided to resume my training. I found a running group that did run-walk intervals and decided to run slowly with them. I did 20 miles with these ladies, and afterwards my knee felt good. No pain. I thought for sure I didn't have to have a stress fracture until a couple of runs later when the dull ache returned. It was five weeks until the race, and I decided my knee needed more rest. I told a couple of running friends about my problem, and they suggested riding my bike instead. But after talking to others, I got mixed reactions. Some said, don't run the marathon and risk injuries. Others said, taking a break is a good idea, but you need to do some runs still before the marathon. Others were supportive of the plan. At this point, I wasn't sure what God wanted me to do. I decided to seek the Lord for some answers. One day, while reading my Bible, that worship course came to mind. The song is titled, Oceans, Where My Feet May Fail. Appropriately titled, I thought. 
I had been hearing it a lot on the radio, so I looked up the words and wrote them out. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. I realize this song is all about trust, not putting God into a box, not limiting what God could do by my lack of faith. I started searching scripture. I wanted to know if he wanted me to run this marathon. If I took a break from running, would I still be able to run it? I came across a verse at the end of Isaiah forty-one thirteen. It says, Do not fear. I will help you. It leapt off the page at me. I felt a peace wash over me. And at that point, I wasn't worried about how many miles were left in my training program. I decided I had to give my knee complete rest from any impact. Absolutely no running. I got the message, Lord. After four weeks of rest from running, I decided to test out my knee. The little pain I had left was very minor. I ran four miles plus a slow jog and some walking for another four and a half miles. My knee felt a little achy afterwards, but after a couple of days, the pain was completely gone. It was raining the weekend before the race, and I decided to run the last eight-mile training run with my buddies. On the way to the park, the clouds parted, the sun shone through, and there was a double rainbow that ended at the park. As I got out of the car, the rain started again. I took off with my friends down the trail. They were faster than me, but I was okay with letting them go ahead and running alone with my MP3 player. I wasn't alone, after all. I was running with God. Every step of that run in the rain was a blessing. I felt no pain, and I worshipped God. The following week, I felt no pain, and by race day, I was ready to go. During the race, I ran, the, I ran with the ladies I had run 20 miles with. We ran, walked 12 miles together, and mile after mile, the water stations were out of sports drink. I lost my friends as I darted across the street to see if there was a water station on the other side. Nothing. So I pressed on alone, resigned to the possibility that it would just be my MP3 player, my God, and me. Then oceans started playing. I prayed to God. I was counting on him to help me. It was a sunny 80-degree day, and I needed electrolytes. One friend caught up with me at mile 14 and said, If you can hang on until mile 16, I have some friends waiting for me, and they can help you. When we found them, they gave me a water bottle and shoved a handful of electrolyte tablets into a baggie. They were angels of mercy. As we approached mile 19, I said I would no longer be able to pick up my feet and run as I was cramping up. I told my friend to go on ahead of me and that I would be okay. I knew God would take care of me. I started to walk. I prayed and I worshiped God. Then, as I passed mile 21, I felt a renewed strength. I started running. I felt like I was soaring. Isaiah 40, 40, 31 says, But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That was me. I finished strong, thankful to God for his help and provision. There is a verse I put on the back of my running shirt, Romans 5, 3, and 4. And do and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. God was using my training and this race to teach me perseverance in the midst of my suffering. He wanted to develop in me more of the characteristics he longs to see in me. 
And in the midst of it all, I learned to trust him more deeply and have hope that I would make it to the end triumphantly. Man, that's a great story, Anna. She's a good storyteller. Yes, she is. I mean, that, I can, I could put myself in her shoes running beside her, that whole story. And I love that about some of these stories. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, we've both been there. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's a it's a mental game for sure, but it parallels just spot on with our walk with Christ yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. yeah. It always amazes me how God uses these seemingly relatively insignificant stories. I mean, why does God care about a marathon, mm-hmm. right? Um, why does God care about all the little things that we do in our life? But this, to me, this story just kind of drives that point home mm-hmm. that God cares about everything that we do. Everything mm-hmm. and and anything that he can use to to draw us closer to him, he'll use it. Well, and you hear the phrase, and, and when when I when I was reading this story, it made me think of this phrase. But it's you hear God's tapestry, and and mm-hmm. and, and it's exactly what we live in every day. So many times we don't recognize it. And we're going to talk about coincidences a little bit later, but there are no coincidences. Every every bit of what happens and the coincidences we think are around us are God weaving himself in and out of our lives. And if we just open our eyes and sometimes sit back and think about it, it's all God. Yeah. And it's just, it's incredible. Yeah. At one point in time you had to make this because the run for God 5k challenge didn't include chapter 10. It didn't include the gospel at one point in time you had to make that decision, right? To, to include that. Um, and I think that was a recognition that people can come to Christ under any circumstances, right. right? And that they can strengthen their relationship with Christ under any circumstances, and that it was important to share that. Right? And, and running is just another tool. Right. I mean, God has so many tools. He's got the world's biggest toolbox up in heaven. Yeah. And running is one of those tools. Um, a T-shirt is one of those tools. He's yeah. It's... It can be done in so many ways, and that's that's what ministry is. Yeah. James 1, 6 says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. You know, this kind of made me think about two statements that I make to my kids all the time. I used to make it to the triathlon team. Uh, but two statements is protect your testimony and be different. Um Always be proud of your faith and the fact that you are different, that we are different as Christians. And we need to be bold in that because when you're timid about something, that's when evil searches you out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know why I thought about this when I was reading this earlier this morning, but think about all the, if you watch National Geographic or the Discovery Channel and you see these uh, wild animal shows and it's, you got a, a line or something attacking. They're always attacking the weak. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. Evil attacks our weakness. And if we're timid about sharing the gospel or we're timid about our faith and we're not bold and we're not fully protecting our testimony, that's what evil will, will creep into our lives when we're doubting. And that's exactly what the... The scripture is saying here, it's we're, we're driven and tossed by the wind um, for those who doubt. And we can't doubt. Yeah. We, and 
you know, I put I put being timid in the doubting category because that's what being timid is. You don't you don't know whether to to go all in or not. And it, being bold in who you are in Christ is always the right move, no matter what you think it's going to cost you. Yeah. But that's the hardest thing. That's the hardest part is because we start counting the cost. And if if it's God telling us to do something, that's a that's a wasteful exercise. Because we know we know the reward. Yeah. I think about how many times Jesus said, You you are healed because of your faith. Right. And I, th- I think the reason for that is because he's driving this point home over and over again that it's important that your faith is strong and that you don't allow this doubt to creep in. And, um, you know, that's it's because of your belief. It's uh, because of your faith. It's because of that strong, that boldness. That Well, think about every instance where Jesus said that. It was yeah. somebody being incredibly bold. It was the woman touches yeah. his garment, which seems kind of— not like a big deal nowadays, but back then for a woman to come up and, and grab a man's garment, I mean, that was punishable. Yeah. But she had the faith to know this is this is the son of God. This man can heal me. You know, tearing a roof open and lowering somebody down. I mean, think mm-hmm. about the boldness that that took yeah. to do that. And it was always boldness was rewarded um, because boldness is faith. That's right. That's right. Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, the church had sent supplies to, to Paul for his ministry. And um, in, in this case, he's, we're talking about God supplying needs according to his riches and glory. The Bible tells us to take care of those who need it. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what the church mm-hmm. is supposed to do. Now, today, unfortunately, I think a lot of our churches have fallen away from that. I think a lot of our churches now are just trying to provide entertainment. Mm-hmm. For, and, and that's, we have to get back to the meat. Now, there's a lot of churches, many, many, many churches that are that are providing that meat and sure. are, are focused on the gospel. Um, but it's, it's this, this verse tells me uh, that, that we've got to head in that direction. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 when I read this, I thought about it from a little bit different angle. I, you know, j- just look at this ministry. Um, there have been so many times that God is flip. We talk about streetlights a lot of times. Mm-hmm. There have been so many times where God flips that next streetlight on just in time. Yeah. Um, I mean, just yesterday, I was struggling with some some decisions about the the path forward for this ministry. We got a lot of big things that we're working on and it and it seems as though the world is becoming more and more against what we're doing. Yeah. And it, and it can be discouraging. What does God send yesterday? Two salvations, two of yeah. those God winks that we talk about. And it's like he he knows when things are getting dim in our life. Some discouragement may be creeping in. And he reaches over and he flips on another light. And that's the cool thing about God is that he's an on-time God, and he knows exactly when to flip those lights on. And 
I mean, it, it just gets you almost speechless sometimes. We see that over and over in the Bible. You mentioned a couple of the miracles, and, and in each case you're talking about somebody who is in a desperate situation. Sure. That's part of the reason for their boldness. And uh, I, think some, I think sometimes we need to be a little more desperate. At least we need to feel a little bit more desperate, and it would and it would help us get to that point because I think when we get to that point, I think that's when God goes, okay, I see the heart. I see the desire in the heart, and, and that's well, when he flips that light on. You only learn when things get hard. You only grow. You only yeah. become stronger. It's, it's the whole metaphor of athletics. Yeah. You only get stronger when you get weak. Yeah. And there again, we talked about changing your, your perception We've got to get to the point where we, we wear that as a badge of honor, mm-hmm. persecution, getting weak, you know, feeling like the world's just got us down. That is when we hear from God the loudest, and many times that is when he works the mightiest in our yeah, life. That's a true story. Isaiah fifty-eight eleven: The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. <laughs> I, I could, couldn't help working on this kind of as soon as we get back from vacation. And, and I was thinking the day we got back, Debbie goes out and she looks at, at the flowers out in the yard and she's like, my lilies are wilted. Um, but then she watered them. And what happened? Is they they perked right back up, right? Yeah, lilies are weird in that way. You you can almost watch them perk up. Yeah, they're so fast at doing that. It is. Um, but the but the the crux of that is, we've got to go to the well. Right. We've got to go to God. Yeah. And it's so easy to do, but yet it's so hard at the same time. Yeah. It's it's like we have the head knowledge of this is what we're supposed to do. But the world will do everything in its power to get us not to do it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've got to go to the well. Yep. Yep. We got all these distractions between us and the water source. Sure. And we've got to get those. And we've got to get rid of those. We got we've got to get. get we've talked about inputs before. Yep. Sometimes you just got to get rid of inputs. Say yep. no to people. Yeah. You know, our schedule is our worst nemesis many times. Well, you're not kidding. Did, did I say that right, Nemesis? Ne- ne- you were close. That sounded weird. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you get my message. You get my point. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Question. Have you ever gotten mixed messages from well-meaning, even Christian friends? All the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all the time getting advice from people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we look at it as advice, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. we think of things as advice. Sometimes we think of it as we're just listening to what somebody has to say or we heard something. Uh, sometimes it's maybe it's a podcast we listen to, maybe mm-hmm. it's something else and we hear this advice and we never listen to people who mean to cause us harm. Sure. And yet there's still people out but there. But we're people. I mean, I, I've harm. given people bad information, I've received bad information. Um, but I think in the spiritual realm, it's just important that we filter that information through the word, through prayer and through time spent with God. He'll, he'll many times he'll, I shouldn't say many times, pretty much all the time. He'll, he'll confirm it in your heart. Yeah. Is it right? Is it wrong? Um, you know, I love what my pastor says a lot. He'll, he'll be making a statement and kind of a matter of fact statement. He'll say, but don't believe me. 
yeah. go study and pray about this and, and come to your own conclusion because God, God is the ultimate authority here. Well, there's a couple of things there, right? When somebody who's outside of our situation looks at our situation, they're not in it, so they don't see it the same way, which can be good or sure. bad. They can make certain assumptions that can make their advice bad for us, but they can also see things that we don't see that can make it good for us. And I think oftentimes God sends people to us Mm -hmm. with good advice, right? So, yeah, there are people out there who give us bad advice. There are people out there, I think, what what does the question say? Have we ever gotten mixed messages from well-meaning, even Christian friends? Yeah, yeah, but some t- they don't do it on purpose. Right. Uh, but oftentimes we have to look at the other side of that. And sometimes, we think- sometimes we'll look at mixed me- or what we think is mixed messages. We'll be hearing the truth. Yeah. That we don't want to hear. Yeah. You know, and we need those people in our lives. I think, I think you and I are kind of that for each other. Because yeah. if if you think I'm making doing a boneheaded move, you'll tell me. Yeah. And you know that's the jersey coming out in you, and the jersey's rubbing <laughs> off on me a little bit, and and I do it back. But we you got to have truth tellers in your life yeah that'll tell you things that mm, gosh that kind of stung stung yeah um but some i mean i tell my pastor all the time his best messages are the ones where i walk out and my feet are sore because he's just stomped all over them yeah um but sometimes we'll say that's mixed messages we'll kind of rationalize it off and we know what god's saying yeah um yeah so yeah you got to have those people in your life yep the most important thing is that you take it to god at some point because um, he's going to clear away the clutter and the mixed messages, right? If you if you think you're getting a mixed message, you go to God and you sincerely seek the the answer. He's going to give it to you. Mm-hmm. In what ways can we hear God's voice speaking to us now? You know, I said just a little while ago we talked about coincidences, and I said we were going to talk about it again, but I don't believe in coincidences. You and I talk about this yep. quite a bit. It's all God's tapestry. It's all God weaving his presence in and out of our lives. And it's 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 in those moments where we need to find out what God is up to. You know, so many times if you make the statement, well, that was a coincidence, chances are you need to stop. Yeah. And say, God, what are you trying to tell me here? Mm-hmm. Because there are no coincidences. Uh, you're, if you believe that, you're wrong. Because <laughs> there are no coincidences. It's God weaving himself in and out of our lives. And many times we just keep moving and we miss what God is doing or what God is trying to tell us. But so many times those can be the most profound moments in our life. I remember I, I can think back to when we were starting the whole The God Loves You and the Who Do You Say That I Am campaigns. And I just, man, I just wasn't sure about it. You know, it was going to be expensive and you know, I knew it was going to bring on just some hate and vitriol that we talked about earlier. And I just didn't know what to do. Well, there were like four instances within a week. One was my, our youth pastor did a message on closing the mouth of lines. My pastor preached from Matthew sixteen fifteen, which is, who do you say that I am? And there were two other things. I don't remember exactly what they were right now. But by the fourth thing, which was my pastor preaching that message, it just brought me to tears. Yeah. And it's like God was just pounding me. But yep. I could have so easily said, well, that's a coincidence. Yeah. But it wasn't coincidence. It, wasn't. it, yeah. was, it was God working. Yeah. And he often does that in, in big ways. That was a big way to do mm-hmm. it, right? Um, 
sometimes he does it in little ways. A story from this this past week. You know, we again we were on vacation. Mm-hmm. Debbie and I are hiking in Bryce Canyon, and as we're walking through, this girl comes walking in the opposite direction to me. I'm like, I think I know her. <laughs> and it's like, what a weird place to run into somebody. Fifteen hundred right? miles from home. Yeah, yeah, and and it was. This was a girl that I'm trying to recruit to run with us at Dalton State College. The girl that you ran into? The girl that I ran into. In Bryce Canyon? Yes. In Utah was a girl you're trying to recruit. Where is she from? She's from Chattanooga. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, the whole family did was Did you there. tell her, well, this is obviously God speaking, so you do need to come run for us. I didn't, but I'm going to. <laughs> uh, that might be a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, but but my thoughts were uh, this particular girl um, uh, of the the – She's a, she's a big she'd be a big catch for us mm-hmm. big catch for us, and my thoughts have been I don't feel like she's that engaged, mm-hmm. and when I ran into her she seemed really delighted to see us and and it was, it was a good conversation and that kind of thing and I felt like that was God's way of saying don't give up on this girl, hmm. you know what I mean, and maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm wrong but that's one of those coincidences that you talk about that. Maybe that just wasn't. There was a reason you crossed paths. I mean, and it's there again. It's one of those times where you just need to stop and say, what are you up to, God? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes he'll reveal it to us. Sometimes he won't. Yeah. You know, that's the hard part sometimes is you just never know. We'll know one day. Yeah. Yeah. I just know God speaks through, through circumstances so, so often. When your faith and trust has been challenged, how do you handle it? Okay, I read the question wrong. I, I was thinking it said, how should you handle it? Um, we won't talk about how I handle it many times. <laughs> how I should handle it, stop. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, a, I have a natural temper. I have a natural tendency to shoot off at the mouth. Um, and it's for that reason that many times this is where the evil one will attack. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody handles when their faith and trust has been challenged, everybody handles that different. But I've, I've learned to stop, walk away, pray and come back the next day. You know, we recently had an, an email, um, that was not so nice to a run for God. And my immediate visceral reaction was a knee jerk Mitchell in the flesh reaction. I, I, I didn't let it out. Um, because of what the person was saying wasn't true, I I wanted to just lash out. Right. Um, but it's in those times that I've learned through the years, and this is where I think God's wisdom, I hope, is is coming into my life. But we've got to look at the life of Jesus. You know, when he was tested and ridiculed, his silence spoke louder than any words he could have used and we should follow suit. I mean, look how bad he was persecuted and he just didn't say a word. And as, as a Christian society, we've got so much we can learn here. There's a lot of hate being spewed as a result of testing coming from Christians. Yeah. We're we're spewing a lot of hate in our society. And we must understand that these wars that we're fighting as believers today, primarily on social issues, um, are actually spiritual wars. They're not. Yeah. They're not wars for us to really fight. In spiritual battles, 
cannot be one with sticks and rocks and judgment, condemnation, or even ridicule. It's, we're not going to win these wars that way. Um, those are the weapons of the other side. And, I mean, think about when Jesus walked up to the adulterous woman who was about to be stoned to death. Exactly what I was just thinking about. I'm sure that was a coincidence, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he didn't pick up rocks and throw them back on her behalf. No. He, he didn't. When when Jesus walked up to that adulterous woman, he used the image of love and forgiveness to change the hearts of those who were ready to kill her. And there's so much to be learned. I mean, such an obscure story in the Bible that there's so much to be learned because, and I get it because I'm, I mean, my flesh is the same way when somebody says something about this ministry or somebody says something about our faith. I mean, we just want to lash out and attack and take to social media and just retaliate. But Jesus didn't do that. No, but he always had some interesting way to respond that drove a point home. And I think we can do that very often. But he did it with meekness. Yes. You know, a modern day example of this, I say modern day, it's 40 years, 40 years ago now. But um, I think about and regardless of your political persuasion, this is a political thing. Remember when Ronald Reagan was debating and the point was made that Ronald Reagan was old. You're forgetting how much younger I am than you. <laughs> well, maybe but you, I do remember this. <laughs> because it was so Because impactful. they replay it a lot, not because yeah. I was watching the debate then. Yeah. Well, you know, Ronald Reagan, I mean, you know, he's just, he's, he's being beat down because he's old. And, yeah. he's, and he makes the comment that, well, I promise not to use my opponent's youth and inexperience <laughs> yeah. against him. And it was a brilliant way to respond by not attacking. Right. But by saying, "Hey, stating the obvious." Yeah, you're 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 just looking at this all wrong. And I think we have opportunities to do things like that. I mean, Jesus make, said in that moment, "For those who have not sinned, be the first to cast the first stone." Or yeah, however he said it, but that wasn't. I mean, it really hit those people. It was a where it, the statement. way it needed to be hit them, but it wasn't him attacking. Right, and and Jesus never really did that. Because Jesus could have taken all the rocks that were there and had them thrown on top of those guys. Right. That's not what he He could chose. have sent rocks down from heaven. Right. If he wanted to, but he was, he became flesh to be an example for us. Yeah. And we need to follow that example. Yeah. And so many of the battles that we're fighting in our society today, political, moral, uh, these th- th- they're spiritual battles. Yeah. Our, our battles are not with principalities, the Bible says. Yeah. It these are heavenly spiritual battles being fought and we we need to think of them that way. We and do. remember that we're insignificant in this process. We just need to look like Jesus and he will use that. Yeah. That's all we need to do. Amen. While you're working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We've partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Dean, Lane, Holly, myself, and others that you hear here on the Run For God podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God playlist at jradio.com and in the J Radio app.
we're back. And last week, Debbie and I spent some time in Utah, and that's where Elaine happens to be. Yeah. And so I played delivery boy. Made a surprise visit. That yeah. was pretty funny, the video. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was, was so confused when he turned around and saw you. Had no clue you were coming. Yeah. And he was in a restaurant getting lunch. And he turned around, he was like, am I in Utah? <laughs> <laughs> he was so confused yeah. to turn around and see you. Yeah, but yeah that was a... Uh, that was, that was mighty nice of you to haul his extra set of wheels out there. People that are listening, Lane had a pretty gnarly crash uh, his first week out in Utah at, at this training camp and uh, went down on the bike, got a little ambulance ride to the hospital. He's fine. A lot of road rash. Uh, we talked to him last night, and it looks like it's healing up pretty good. Um, but and he it, broke his wheels, and you, you, you agreed to take his wheels out there for him. Yeah, and it was going to cost you $600. Right. And so I said, well, I'll do it for half that. Yeah, so uh, you didn't. You, I'm just now hearing that part. <laughs> uh, so, how is his time out there working out? He's loving it. You know, Lane. Lane loves big workouts. Yeah. I mean, he loves. He's kind of wired strange. I mean, like this week, he's having a, a 30 hour week, so he's training, swimming, biking, and running for 30 hours this week, and he's loving it. He said last night, he's every muscle in his body's aching. But you could just see the smile on his face telling us that because he, yeah. he loves that level. So, yeah, he's got some some big races coming up. He's got his first pro race here in uh, almost two weeks. That's going to be fun to watch. He's going to be racing some some Olympians, which, yeah. you know, he, he's going to get his clock cleaned in this race. But it's, it's going to be a huge learning experience for him to yeah. see, okay, this is where I need to be in another six, seven years. And uh, so it's going to be fun to watch for yeah, sure. sure. No big expectations. I think that's what he's most excited about is he's going out there knowing he's going to get drilled um, and uh, just going to have fun with it. Yeah. And who knows? You, you never know what's going to happen you never when, know. when you relax like that. I'll tell you what, there's, there's a couple of folks that made Olympic teams that uh, from the Olympic trials that were like, nobody saw it coming right? because they just weren't – they were people who probably – they didn't even think they would make the finals. Right. One girl in the steeplechase had to make the final on time because – and she ran like a 26-second PR, I think it was, wow. to make the Olympic team. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, and I mean, just that level of competition. I mean, it's the biggest, it's the biggest triathlon in the United States. Wow. Uh, it's called the Legacy Triathlon. It's in Long Beach, California. Um and yeah, I mean, we got the, I think the number, I think Lane said the number four or five guy in the world who's a wow. Canadian is going to be there. Um, Matt McElroy, who is one of our last Olympians, is going to be in it. Um, a lot of the guys Lane grew up trying to catch who were five or six years older than him, yeah. they're all going to be in that race. So, yeah. uh, and actually, he's training with those guys now in Utah. So it, um, it'd be fun to watch. It'll be fun, it'll be yeah. eye opening. Can't wait to see it. And if you're out there, I, I want to point this out about Lane because this is something that's – I hear a lot of people who tell me it's really, really hard to train when I have to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Well, Lane does a lot of work on his own, doesn't he? The I mean, majority of it, yeah. Because there's nobody here that can run with him. Right. And so it, if you're out there and you, you struggle with doing it alone, you can do it. Sure. You just have to be determined to do it. And that's what Lane is. He gets up every day and it's, what am I doing for my workout today? And he goes out there and he just executes those things and does them. Right. And we all have that ability. 
So if, if you're that person out there who, I mean, think about the work that Lane does is so much harder than yeah. the, the stuff that we're doing. Sure. You know, if let's say that you're running four or five days a week, uh, you know, for an hour at a time, well, that's a lot less than 30 hours a sure. week. So, uh, so but we, you've got to have that. that. I mean, one thing about Lane is he has a why. He does. And he, he, he has very big goals and he keeps those in the forefront. He has them on his bathroom mirror. Yeah. Which is what we preach on here a lot. But mm-hmm. you've got to have that why. And that it's okay for that why to change as long as you have a why. You can have a, a main why and you can have little subsets of why. You know, when Lane left, I've got I got a few pounds that I need to get off. And I told Lane when he left, I was going to drop these last 15 pounds I'm going to drop him by the time he gets back. And, of course, my wife is just like, that's not healthy. Because you know, he's only going to be gone for a month. And as of today, I'm down 10. Wow. And I've got almost another week before he gets back. But that's been my why in, over the past month. is, And so every run I wake up and I'm like, this is going to help me reach that goal. But when Lane gets back, it'll be a different why. Yeah. You know, I have one big why. I want to. I want to do the Disney Marathon in January. That's that's up here. I want to glorify God is above that. But it's okay to have these smaller wise because this is a long process. Training for anything is it's an ongoing thing, especially if you're going to make it a lifestyle, which we talked about in you know the class the other night. Um, but yeah. yeah, you got to have that why. Yeah, and I don't know if I should interject this at this point or not. And this is a rabbit trail, but I, I listened to a podcast recently from a guy who says. You should not have goals, that you should build systems, not goals. And I listened to it, and his logic was interesting, to say the least. Uh, Now, I still say you have to have goals, and you do have to have goals. But I do believe that if you can build a system around those goals, that you're more successful. Like he said, his goal, he has no athletic goals at all. Right, there is no goal. There's nothing he wants to do. He doesn't want to lose weight, he, but he wants to be healthier, and so he has this. But that's system. a goal. What he calls a system is every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to do X number, of, you know, X amount of exercise. Every day I'm going to eat well uh, because yeah, the goal is kind of I want to be healthy, but it's a system that says I'm going to do this. And then the result of my system is that that's what's going to come. See, from to it. me, the system is the account is accountability. It is, and it is. that I want to be healthy is the goal. But I thought it was interesting. To now, look at- being healthy is not a smart acronym goal. Yeah, um, but it's still a goal. It's still a goal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Where um, do you find these books you I, read sometimes? Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, just to give you an idea, this guy wrote a book called. His latest book is called Loser Think. So, uh, and then he wrote a book called Win Bigly. Huh. Um, he's a cartoonist, so he's uh, okay. He's a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> all right, it's time for Dean's thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. So, what does speed limits have to do with running? Well, let me tell you. This one is called Speed Limits. As we were traveling across the country in my truck, I noticed the speed limits vary from state to state. Our maximum speed limit in Georgia is 70 miles per hour. But in Utah, 
the maximum speed limit is 80 miles per hour. This begs the question, why do we have speed limits on the road? As we would suspect, we have speed limits in place for safety reasons. Studies show that accidents are minimized when vehicles are traveling at roughly the same speed. So we set those speed limits based on reaction time, physical limitations of the curvature of the road, traffic and pedestrian congestion, and, of course, political pressures. In 1973, speed limits were set to minimize the usage of fuel due to the world's economic conditions at that time. Speed limits go way back. In 1652, the American colony of New Amsterdam passed a law stating, No wagons, carts, or sleighs shall be run, rode, or driven at a gallop. The first law put in place for mechanized vehicles was put in place in 1861 in the UK. The first speed limit was 10 miles per hour. So you may ask, what does this have to do with running? After all, no matter how, no matter your talent level, you're probably not in danger of breaking any speed limits during your daily runs. Well, let's go back to the reason there are speed limits at all. They are for safety and protection. As a runner, there's a pace range that's ideal for you to run. And just like speed limits on the road vary based on circumstances, it depends on what you're doing and the goal of the run that determines the pace you run. If you want to be the best runner you can be, you have to pay attention to speed limits. Or maybe we should call them pace limits. Running too fast during daily easy runs, a common mistake for many beginning runners, will ultimately lead to injury and more time on the couch. In addition, you're not allowing your body to do what it needs to do to make you more fit. When you run at a pace that is two to three minutes slower than a mile time trial, you are creating the conditions in your body to produce more mitochondria in your blood. This allows your cardiovascular system to ultimately get more energy to your muscles. The easy runs are critically important to creating a system that allows a greater volume of energy for your running muscles. Faster paces create a different response from your system. When you run at your mile time trial pace for shorter intervals or up to a minute per mile slower, you're creating an environment that makes those mitochondria more efficient. We need both paces, one to create more volume and one to create better efficiency. But many runners are doing something in between. They're not running slow enough to create ideal conditions for creating the volume, but they aren't running fast enough to create the right conditions for creating efficiency, and it leads to a tired body that is not as efficient as it could be. Over the years, I have often found my spiritual life in a similar condition. I would spend enough time in church and prayer to get by, but it wasn't having the intended result of drawing me closer to God. Many runners don't run at the proper speeds because they don't think about it. They don't plan for it. In the same way, when we go through our daily or weekly time with God having no plan and failing to be intentional about what we're doing, we'll get so-so results. Sure, running at those in-between paces is better than not running at all, and just going to church is better than staying at home, but neither is ideal. When we mindlessly go to church and do whatever program is offered there, we're not getting the most from our relationship with God. But when we go to church purposefully, follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and look for ways to use our talents for God, we'll see our relationship with God flourish. Speed limits exist to keep traffic flowing safely and efficiently. Training paces exist to keep you healthy and efficient as a runner. Both are there for your well-being. In addition, think of the Bible like a traffic sign. 
There are many directions in there to keep you on the right path and away from danger. Did I just equate the Bible to a speed limit sign? Well, in a way, yes. Following God's limits and keep yourself safe and sound. That's a great story, Dean. <laughs> I bet you didn't know speed limits go back to 1652. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, but you, that 80 mile per hour speed limit is right up your alley, isn't I've it? I've never seen that. Yeah. I need to I need to go visit that. I didn't know there was such a thing. Now I think in, I think it's Montana that I think at one point in time they had no speed limits on certain roads. Uh-huh. But there is not a speed limit. Really? Which they might as well have in Utah because I didn't see a, I don't know that I saw a single police car in Utah while we were out there. Really? Now I may be dead wrong and maybe during in the big cities because we were out in the country. You're gonna a lot. get one mailed to you next time. Maybe so. <laughs> that could be. But uh but anyway. Um the the 80 mile speed limit was really nice. Uh, we traveled some of these back roads in Utah where there was nothing, nothing, zero. I mean, not a house. They might have one little, and they would have these little places out in the middle of nowhere, and they would have, you know, there'd be 100 cattle out there all around this little old farm setup, mm-hmm. and there wouldn't be a house within miles. Were there fences for the cows, or were they free Some, range? Sometimes they were fences, and sometimes they were free range. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's common uh, out there. I can't tell you the number of times we went through those grates, you know, that keep them yeah, the from, cattle from, grates. from crossing on the roads and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it was uh, <clears throat> it was certainly interesting. So but, it's it's very uh, funny that this is your story for the week, because I had a, I had a similar conversation with, um, you know, I, I shouldn't say I run with. I run at the same time as... <laughs> The high schoolers run, you know, Landon's running cross country for the high school this year. Lane has graduated now, but Landon is still on the cross country team. So, you know, I've always ran with the the cross country, the high schoolers. So this Saturday morning was no different. And, um, but you know, getting slower in my older age, I got there and I was going to do a six mile run. And, um, so I left a little bit before they started and I was, I was turning out of the road were the we were starting from and so i was about a mile a little over a mile ahead of the group on my run and uh, i was running at three out turning and coming back well i got to the turnaround and one of the guys Patton, that i saw pulling into the road as i was turning out of the road which means i was a mile ahead of him i got to the turnaround and start to come back and he's already at me he made up a mile and during my three mile run to turn yeah. around and um, when he come back at, when he passed me going back to the where we started he said hello but he was i mean he was breathing hard and this is saturdays is their long slow yeah. runs yeah uh but Patton has tremendous amount of potential yeah. Patton has gotten really fast he actually just broke five minutes on a mile a few mm-hmm. weeks ago so he's really, and I love it. I love that he's got the passion and the drive. He, he'll probably be the number one runner on the team this year unless something changes. Uh, as of right now, he's the number one guy. Yeah. And so he's just got this fire in his belly right now, which I really do admire. But when we got back, I said, Patton, and I, I did this last week too. I said, you need to slow down on these long runs. But that's like, telling that wall to change colors right here i mean it's like they don't they don't understand everything that you talked about here so i told them this analogy 
and I took a, a water bottle. I took two water bottles, one with a narrow lid, like a like a water bottle bottle, and then I took a glass, and I said, oxygen to the body is the name of the game. Oxygen through your blood, getting oxygen to your muscles is what it's all about. That is the biggest goal you can have. And I said the way that's done is through your bloodstream, more specifically through red blood cells and hemoglobin and all the technical things that, that gets it. I said, but what you want to do is you want to, the name of the game is is building as many red blood cells as you can to, to, to transport the oxygen. And I said, during the off season, during the base time, you're simply building volume. And when you, when you you've got to be exercising just enough to kick this process into gear. But if you, if you start getting to a, a heart rate that is too high, all that energy is being used to help you not die on the run. Yeah. And so I took this glass and I said, when you're running at the pace you're supposed to be running on these long runs, which is slow, I said, you almost can't go too slow. Yeah. If you're running, you almost can't go too slow. But I took the glass and I started surgically pouring the water into this water bottle. And I say, when you're running nice and slow, you're, you're, you're slowly filling up this bottle of red blood cells and, and all the things that, that make the oxygen get carried to your body. And I said, then in a month or two months, when Dean and Shannon, who you, you guys coach the team, I said, in a few months, they're going to ask you to start doing things like tempo runs, like speed work, like all these other things, and I said, you're going to need this bottle full of these red blood cells because your body's going to be needing to get oxygen to your body. It's not going to build. It's not. You're not going to fill this bottle up anymore once you start that process. Yeah. On slow days, you will. But And I said, but what you guys are doing now, and I, I poured the bottle back out, and I took my, my reservoir of red blood cells, and I, I held it back out, and I said, but what you guys are doing on these long runs when you're running too fast, and I picked up the, the glass and of my other water bottle, and this is this is where you're building, and I took it and I just dumped it on top of the water bottle. And like four drops went in the water bottle, but the rest of it went everywhere else. I said, this is what you're doing to your body. I said, you're not capturing any of the, the substance that you need, the red blood cells, the mitochondria, the hemoglobin. You, all of that is for nothing if you're running these runs too fast. So what happens is you're able to do these slow runs fast and everybody's, wow, you're running a 7.30 on these long runs. But when it comes time for Dean to say, okay, we're going to do a tempo run, you don't have the reservoir. Yeah, There's nothing in the can. So therefore, you run your tempo runs in two months the same speed that you're running your slow runs right now and there's no growth. And yeah. I said, you've got to vary these things. And it's like, for the first time, especially Patton, he was like, wow, I think he got it. Yeah. Now, we'll see this coming Saturday if he got it or not. But I don't know. I just thought that was a pretty good illustration of yeah, it is. using it water is. bottles. So. You know, I'm working feverishly to try to finish the half marathon book. Yeah. And um, I was just writing that chapter. Really? About muscle science and how they yeah. work and, and, all, and all of that. And yes, dead on you, you, you there, we have different energy systems. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that the, the energy system that you use to run hard has very limited resources. 
the energy system you use to run long distances and for a long time has lots of resources. And so what happens is, is when we use those limited resources to do what we should be using to run to use those bigger resources, um, you eventually run out of both. Mm-hmm. You eventually get to that point where you can't do either one. And yeah, the whole idea is to do exactly what I said in here. You run slow to build the volume, to build that, that mitochondrial density, and you run fast to make those mitochondria get into that muscle more efficiently. Right. But you, I mean, the point is you can't even get to running fast if you don't have those stores. That's right. You, you got to have that. I That's mean, right. how many how many high school athletes especially do we see they're crazy fast starting the season and you're like, wow, they're going to, but they won't listen all through the year and they finish the season at the same pace they started the season. Happens all the and time. And then they get to the end, they're like, why didn't I get faster? Yeah. And you want to choke them at that point and say, you didn't listen. <laughs> you didn't do what I asked you to do. <laughs> That's why. But, so, yeah. Good story. That's good stuff. If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You. Yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. All right, the Olympic trials are over, and they were fantastic. I know you love when I talk about the Olympic trials. Actually, uh, I probably watched more than I've ever watched have you? this year. You? Yeah, there was some. Pre- I love the stories. Yeah, you know, they talk about the backstories of some of these people and what they went through to get get to where they're at. But I watched more this year than I've ever watched. So, what was your favorite thing? You got one in particular that sticks out. Well, I, I found it very interesting that and I, I, I'm drawing blanks on names, but the guy that was supposed to be the top Donovan, dog in the 800, Donovan Brazier, yeah, yeah, and he didn't even make it. Yeah, it looks like he's hurt. He looks like he has. A is stress, that what it is? I haven't fracture. heard that yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looks like he's hurt way more. He he knew he was hurt. He just didn't realize how bad it was at the time. Really? And so it sounds like that's what really took him out. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you're right. That was a kind of a letdown because Donovan Brazier was best in the world. I mean, he was a Lane goal. was heartbroken. Yeah, I mean, Lane was like, "Yeah, can't believe he didn't make it." You yeah. know, but that's that's the Olympics for you. The good news is the guy that won, Clayton Murphy, looked like a world beater. I mean, he looked great, really, in there. And and everybody was he was kind of that third. Everybody thought Bryce Hopple, Donovan Brazier would make it. Clayton Murphy was maybe he could make it. He just boy, he had a great day. Probably one of my favorite moments. It was just pretty cool to see how far women have come in the sport. But Allison Felix, yeah, and then the other lady who also qualified in the same race are both mothers, new mothers. Yeah, yeah. And they had their kids, you know, little bitty. I think it was a guy, a little boy and a girl, uh, come out, and that's that is amazing to me. Yeah, that, I mean because a, a, a woman 
going through a pregnancy, that's a traumatic thing on the body. And for them to bounce back that fast and be back to world-class shape is really amazing. Um, and, and, Alice, and Allison Phoenix seems like such a great lady. She is. I really don't know anything about her, but just the way she carries herself and her sportsmanship and her no arrogance at all, it seems like. Nope. Um, just, yeah, I mean, that's that's the people you want representing the United States. Yep. She is the face of track and field in the United States. I mean, and she has been for a long time. Yeah. I mean, everybody. Well, that's the other thing is her. she's not the youngest of the women out there now, and she's really past what most would say is the prime. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. She's, she's definitely way past. Still knocking it out of the park. I, I mean, did, honestly, I didn't think she would make it. But she not only made it, she she ran really well. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. really impressed. And I was glad because I really, I'm a big Allison Felix fan. So, yeah. Um, but I'm also an I Think Mo fan. I think I Think Mo is the next great distance running track and field face uh, she is i don't know if you watched her race did you watch it at all well if i did i didn't well she's first of all you know she's a freshman in college hmm. she was running her pr a year ago was 201 which is pretty fast for women but not world class hmm. it's not not good enough this to, is the 800 yeah in the 800 and um and she she had been getting faster. She had run 157, which is really good. And then she gets to this this race. And there's a lot of questions on whether or not somebody with as little experience as she has can hang with the the best in the world, which is what we have in the United States. Um, and so she gets in this race. During the – as soon as they the, – if you know anything about the 800, you know after the first 100 meters they break toward the inside. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason – I, I don't know why this is. I'm not casting dispersions on anybody, aspersions on anybody, but women tend to, as soon as they hit that break mark, they go straight in toward oh, the inside. Oh, I do remember this. And and when men do it, they tend to take the long route all the way right. down because it's a shorter route overall when they when you do that. This girl looked like a slingshot. Yeah, I mean, she hit it and she boom, she comes right in toward the inside. And part of that is inexperience too right. with her. But she got clipped by somebody yeah. behind her, uh, and somebody said that she should have been dis qualified for it i completely disagree with that because i don't think it was her fault but she was clipped by somebody from behind and it slowed her down it clearly slowed her down um, but she never even there was never even an expression on her face that changed mm -hmm. it was like it's just all part of the race no big deal it was so mature and then when they went into that second lap she just ran away from everybody mm -hmm. like here watch how this is done you know and it was it was something to watch. It was really really something to watch. And she, I, I think at this point in time, she's got to be at least she's a medal favorite for sure. Whether mm -hmm. a gold medal or not, I, I think she could win the gold medal. So mm -hmm. it's exciting to watch. And then the women's four hundred meters on the same day, the same night, Sydney McLaughlin um, won, beat Dalila Muhammad. Who Dalila Muhammad is always when it comes to, when it comes championship time, she's always there. She was the world record holder, and Sydney McLaughlin beat her, hmm. um, which was and and set the world record, and that was fun to watch. First person ever under fifty two seconds for the women's four hundred meter hurdles, uh, and she just sat there afterwards. You could see the look on her face. She sat there, squatted down on the track, looking up at the clock, going, "I can't believe I just did that." Hmm. I mean, like it was just astonishing to her that she ran that fast, which is always really cool to see when somebody does that. Um, and then. Another another story that was really cool was Carrie on Knighton. 
finished third in the 200, 200 meters. He's 17 years old. He is the youngest person to make an Olympic track and field team since uh, 1972. Um, and the last uh, – no, he's the youngest one since Jim Ryan, the first high schooler since 1972. Wow. Uh, Jim Ryan ran in 1964. So just an amazing, amazing thing. Um, yeah, so it was exciting. The men's 1500 was crazy exciting. I don't know if I you did see that. Yeah, the story behind Cole Hawker and Matt Centrowitz, there's been some back and forth between them. Uh, the the guys at the 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 group Let's Run actually made T-shirts that said your your move on them because of Cole Hawker sending out this text that said your move Centro. And back at a time when it was like it was really brazen for him to say that. And uh, so as they crossed the line, you had Cole Hawker came across the line with his finger over his mouth. Yeah. You know, like calming down the critics, like, just calm down. I, I, I am the real thing. And Matt Transcentrowitz finishing just behind him with this grin on his face like, oh, man, if I had to lose, it'd have to be to him. But but in, in, in the end, and you know, Matt Centrowitz has always been a really amiable, really good guy. And in the end, he said, look, he said, I just could, I couldn't hang with him. He's the, he's the real deal, you mm-hmm. know. And so uh, Matt Centrowitz is a gold medal winner. Uh, right. So it was really, really cool. So um, lots of meat records. They had to, d- in the last day, they had to actually suspend the track meet because it was 110 degrees in, in Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. That's crazy. Great. The hottest day ever in Oregon in history. Well, the day before yesterday was 114 in Seattle. Golly. And only 30% of the people in Seattle have air conditioning. Wow. You know, my neighbor Dean next door, that's yeah. where they're from. And his, a lot of his family still out there. And it's just crazy. I mean, we're we're in the high 80s here right now yeah. in Georgia. Yeah. It's 114 in Seattle. Crazy. Just way, way crazy. But here's my favorite story of the meet. And nobody made a big deal out of this, but I saw it, and I had tears in my eyes as I was watching it. Annie Kuntz is a heptathlete. And Annie didn't even have to— Explain heptathlete. Heptathlon is there's eight different events that you run. It's like the people have heard of— It's the decathlon for the women. Right. Yeah. yeah, It's exactly what it is. And so— she set a bunch of personal bests. She had not gotten the Olympic standard before the Olympics. She probably wouldn't have been able to go to the Olympics um, had she not gotten the Olympic standard in the Olympics. But she did do that, and she won overall. And as she she finished that 800 meters, and she ran she ran a really good time in the 800 meters to get her over that hump. And then she held up her wrist, and you could tell she's doing it very purposefully. She had thought about this ahead of time. That if if I if I do well, it's going to be an opportunity to make a show for for God. And so she wrote Second Corinthians Second uh, uh, Corinthians ten on her wrist, and it said underneath it, it said God is with me. Hmm. And as she finished, just after she got finished, she held that wrist up. She knew the cameras would be on her. She knew the cameras would be on her, and she took that opportunity to uh, to praise God. Um. And so it was, you know, it was clearly meant to be a witness. And that's awesome. I went in and I, I Googled it to try to find it. Couldn't Nothing. even find it. Yeah. I was just amazed. I just remember when it happened. I was like, what did that say? <laughs> I, I paused my TV and went back. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool, cool thing. Annie Koontz. We got we to root for her. Trivia question for today. 
or this week. We all know about the African nations like Kenya and Ethiopia and how deep they are with fast runners, especially marathon runners. But there's a country outside of Africa that recently had a race where 42 men broke two hours and 10 minutes for the marathon in the same race. Now, to give you reference for that, in the United States, we've only had 21 to do it all time in the history of the United States. So the question is, who is that nation? Do you know who that is? I don't have a clue. No, really? Okay. Well, it's a good one then. That's just hard to believe. Isn't it? Yeah. It is crazy to believe, but it's, it's a true story, and you'll find it if you'll Google it, and if you don't already know it. All right. Every week we share why running is so awesome. This week it's this. Running teaches us that there is more in us than we ever thought. <laughs> Ambie Burfoot, uh, editor of uh, Runner's World, one time said, Running has taught me that I'm capable of so much more than I ever imagined. And it's kind of that way for all of us, isn't it? Yeah. I think we've all had that moment. If you've run for any time at all, you've had a moment. For some people, it comes very early. For a lot of people, it's it's later. But <coughs> we've all had that moment where we, we realize we can do more than we think. Hey, let's back up for just a second. Yeah. You, you skimmed right over this. If you know the answer to the trivia question, oh yeah, you need to email dean at runforgod.com. <laughs> not Facebook Messenger, not customer service, but the first person who emails dean at runforgod.com with the correct answer, include your T-shirt size, and we'll send you a incredible Run Club box that if you're watching, I'm touching right here, uh, we'll get one out to you. Yeah, yeah. Dean at runforgod.com. Also, if you got questions about something else, let me know. Be glad to help out. Um, I was answering a few last night. Um, Sometimes that that uh, that idea of doing more than we thought. Sometimes it's going further than we ever thought. Sometimes it's running faster than we ever thought. Sometimes it's just the proof that we can do something that's really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times have we seen in week eight of yeah. the yeah. the five k challenge? Somebody go, oh, I never thought I could do that. People have breakthroughs. Yeah, yeah. So many lessons in running, uh, and some of them are about running. <laughs> yeah. Our motivational thought of the week. Stepping outside of your comfort zone is the price I pay to find out how good I can be. If I planned on backing off every time it got running got difficult, I would hang up my shoes and take up knitting. <laughs> that comes from Desiree Linden, um, Olympic marathoner. Uh, she does. I love Des Linden. She's one of my all-time favorites. If you were if you were watching the 2011 Boston Marathon, she, no frills. Yes. She, she 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 didn't win the 2011 Boston Marathon, but I became a fan that day because she was so gutsy and hanging on to the Kenyan lady that won that race and finished. She wound up finishing second by two seconds, but it was oh my gosh, it was so much fun to watch her just just gut it out. And so in 2018, when the when the when I knew Des was running the Boston Marathon, and I had heard the weather was so bad. And, and as they were starting that race and, the, and it became clear that this was going to be a survival of the fittest, I thought, Des is going to win this thing. Mm. She's going to win it. And sure enough, she won that race. But because she, you just know she's tougher than everybody else out yeah. there. She may not be faster. She's got grit. But yeah, sure. she's got grit. She was first American female to win in 33 years, the Boston wow. Marathon that year. So, And one time I was at a... Uh, an expo in Columbus, Ohio, 
And I ran into Des Linden. Literally ran into Des Linden. <laughs> I was looking She's a one, tiny thing, isn't she? She is. I was looking one direction and I was walking another direction and I ran into somebody. I looked down and boop, it was Des Linden. <laughs> so uh you say you want to race? Uh I didn't. <laughs> I was afraid to say that for sure. I did tell her I was a big fan though. Yeah. And, and I have been for a long time. So yeah. All right. Everybody, you're doing great. Keep it up. Keep up the great work. Um, it's good to see everybody out there. It's great, again, to see the Facebook posts and the positive energy being fed across that, that uh, Facebook page. Keep that going. Keep glorifying God and running in all that you do. Now, may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.